welcome to the Mint Podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discuss practical ways to live it out. This season, we're doing real talk about how we can contend for breakthrough in the most difficult and painful parts of our story. I can't wait to see what God, the commander of heaven's armies, is going to do as we press into him. If you want more of what you hear on the show, there are additional free resources, merchandise, and donation opportunities available at amintageisler.com. We're a listener-funded podcast, and we appreciate your support so much. Let's go run the race. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here as we take the next few minutes to dive deep into God's Word and talk about practical ways that we can live it out. We are in a series on what I think might be my favorite book of the Bible. It's about Ruth. It's a short little four-chapter book in the Old Testament, but it is so powerful in Ruth is one of my heroes of the faith, and so we are taking the next few episodes to what I call study under his wings and what it looks like to live under the covering of God, under his wings, and just to wait for him to work out the redemption in our stories. And that's what I so admire about Ruth is the way she postures herself before the Lord in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and she waits on him to be her redeemer. And I think we can learn a lot from her. Last week, we talked about just the mindset of what it looks like to be under the wings and tucking under the Lord, and then also what we can do with our heart posture to be loyal, both to God and the people around us when we're going through trial, and then how to take that next right step with our body. So this next few weeks, like I said, we're going to be talking about a strategy, not a plan, but a strategy for how we can posture ourselves heart mind and body to take the next right step and follow the Lord when we don't have a plan and when we can't see our way through. So let's pray and let's dive deep into chapter two of Ruth together. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for how you love us. I thank you that you are the great redeemer and there's not anything in our story that you can't fix or redeem. God, will you help us to tuck ourselves underneath your wings that we might be under your protective covering. Give us eyes that can see you, ears that can hear you, and hearts that are courageous enough to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to start out the show today uh, reading a psalm to you, and it's Psalm 65. And I think this is one of the psalms that's brought me so much comfort when I'm in a situation where I feel lost or I don't know what to do or things seem to be going sideways. But there's so many promises in that, this psalm, and I just wanted to read it to you. So feel free to just take this in, and then we're going to just talk about some of the promises God makes in here as, as we're walking through our stories, the hardest parts. Verse one, what mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you, though we're overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on the distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans and their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. 
The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain for you've ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture. The hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. And I love this because it paints a picture of how the Lord brings the dead places back to life. How he makes the hard rocky places into rich fertile soil. How he redeems the things that do not produce life and makes them into things that produce life. So if you are walking through that valley season, friend, I just want to encourage you that the river of God has plenty of water and he wants to pour it out over your life. That he will provide a bountiful harvest in your life. That he will drench the dry ground with rain. That he will soften the earth with his showers. That he will crown your year with a bountiful harvest. And that even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance in your life. The wilderness is going to become a lush pasture and the hillsides will blossom with joy. In Jesus' name. That's what God, our Redeemer, does. And I just wanted to start out by reminding you that we serve the one and the only one who's able to redeem the hardest part of our story. Now we're going to jump back to Ruth, right back into our story. And as you remember, in chapter one, things just go from bad to worse as we start out. Uh, Naomi and her husband Elimelech leave and go to Moab and because they're trying to escape famine, but Moab was a forbidden land of sinful people and they intermarry and pretty soon Elimelech dies and then the sons who have been married, they go barren for 10 years and then they die. And so now we have these three widowed women with nothing. And they decide, Naomi hears that things are better back in Judah and they're gonna go back home, the famine is over, which means God is back and restoring his people. They're back under his covering. So she decides she's going to go back. And one of the daughters, Orpah, decides she's going to stay with the Moabite people and try to remarry and have children. But Ruth, very sacrificially and very loyally, decides that she's going to stay with her mother-in-law to take care of her and that God is going to stay her God. She's not going to go back to the little G-gods of the Moab people. She's not going to do what the world would say to do, but she's going to go with Naomi. She's going to serve the one and only big G God, and she is going to take care of her mother-in-law. And when she goes back, she's going to be a forbidden woman. So kind of her dreams here have been dashed. There's no, not really hope for her to be redeemed or for her to live out her dreams of being married and to have children because there's nobody. And so this is such an overwhelming show and demonstration of loyalty on Ruth's part. And now they're back and everybody's excited that they're back. And we're going to jump in and we're going to look at the heart posture number two today of humility. Okay. So here we are. I just have to flip to my story here, starting chapter two, verse one. And now verse one is just one little sentence. And it seems like no big deal, but it is so weighty and it carries so much. And I'm going to explain why. Here's verse one. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Pause. This is the verse that changes everything. Why? Naomi and Ruth think there's no one. They're alone. They have nothing. They've lost everything. Naomi said, the Lord has turned his hand against me. There's, there's no one to redeem our family. She tells them, I, 
I don't have anybody for you. Go back to your people. But now we see there is someone in their family. Bonus, he's rich and influential. His name is Boaz, which, by the way, translates to mean worthy. Isn't that amazing? Worthy. And if that doesn't tell you a little something about the love of our God, I don't know what does. He is worthy. He's a worthy redeemer. And so he's rich and influential. So you should hear the clouds part and the angels go, oh, in this moment. Right? What was hopeless? What was lost? They had no hope. Naomi had, you know, call me Mara. The Lord has turned his hand against me. Just I'm bitter. All of a sudden we see there is a redeemer and he's worthy. Okay? One sentence. Huge implications. It changes everything. See, Naomi and Ruth took out a step of faith. They took the next right step. They came home under the covering of God. And now we see that he is going to work out a redemption they didn't even know was possible. Let's keep going. Verse two. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. Let's just pause here for one hot second, because it's easy to miss this too. Here are Naomi and Ruth. They've just come on a long journey. And they've lost their husbands. They have nothing. And so they need food. But this is, a, this is their bottom out time, right? This is hard. They have nothing. And Ruth's idea is that she's going to go work in a field picking up barley after the workers in the hot sun. And she asks for the opportunity to do this. I don't know about you. But when I'm at rock bottom and I'm mourning that I have had things go wrong, right? Ruth is barren. She's lost her husband. She's had to leave her family. She's in a foreign land where she's an outsider and considered forbidden to marry. I would pout and I would want somebody to come take care of me. And I would maybe want to lay on the couch with a bag of potato chips and binge watch HGTV. It would not be my first inclination in my pain, in my mourning to say, Can I please go do a manual labor job in the hot sun with a bunch of men? And in those days, the fields weren't even safe for women. The men would harass the women in the fields. So not only is she showing her humility here by asking if she can go work, she's showing that she's not not bitter. She hasn't hardened her heart. She's not expecting. She's not entitled. She's not expecting someone to come take care of her. She's asking to go work a manual labor job that's not even safe in the hot sun. That is the epitome of humility, if I have ever seen it. Because so often when we are in a situation where it feels like life has dealt us the blow, it's easy to go, why, God? Why aren't you providing? Why don't you take care of me? Why don't you make it easier? Why why won't you send someone to, to do this for me? I'm hurting. I shouldn't have to do this. That's pride. That's the opposite of humility. Whereas Ruth in this moment says, I'm going to go work. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work. And I just think what a beautiful example sometimes of what that next right step needs to be. Sometimes the next right step God asks us to take is a big one. We got to leave our homeland. But sometimes the next right step is we just got to get out of bed and go to work. And that's what's happening here. Let's see what happens in our story, given Ruth's humility. So she asked Naomi and Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. Verse three. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. 
And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Well, would you look at that? What a coincidence. No, it's not. It's the divine provision of the great Redeemer in response to her heart posture and her humility. She just so happens to be in the field of the Redeemer and the family they didn't know they had. I mean, come on, you can't make that up. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. And then Boaz asked his foreman, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, well, she's that young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. And she asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. And she's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. We're going to pause here because this just even shows another level to her humility. She didn't just go and start taking from the field. She asked permission. She didn't say, well, this is, I deserve to just have this and take it. She asked permission. And what I love about this is it, we just continue to see her heart. She's been hard at work ever since. Part of humility is being willing to work hard and do the hard work. And sometimes that means you're going to have to go out in a field in hot sun. But sometimes that means you go to counseling week after week. And sometimes that means you show up and get out of bed and make meals for your family day after day. Sometimes it means you go to a job you don't like day after day. But we get up, we do the work. Verse 8, Boaz went over to Ruth. Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to the other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field and see which part of the field they're harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they've drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and she thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She said, I'm only a foreigner. Let's pause here. Because we learn a couple things. First, we see even more of Ruth's humility because she literally falls to her knees in thankfulness that Boaz told her she can have steady work and food and water. Okay, Boaz did not come to her and say, work no more. Here's free money. I'll take care of you. The job is done. Go home and put your feet up. She falls to her knees in thankfulness because she's been guaranteed work. And this is where I think sometimes we think God should just fix things and we shouldn't have to work. But this is a beautiful example of partnership with the Lord is that he will provide and and we keep working. He gives us a way and we take the next right step and walk it out. But we also see something really amazing about Boaz here, whose name means worthy. We see what a godly man he really is. We are introduced to kind of the hero of the story. And we know that he's a godly man for a few different things from this text. The first one is how he greets the harvesters and how he's like, the Lord be with you and the Lord bless you. And they're like, and the Lord be with you. He gives them this greeting. But the other thing is that God in the Old Testament in I believe it's Exodus and Leviticus. He commands his people that if they want to do their crops in a godly way, that they leave the outer 10% of their fields for the poor people to come glean. It's like a tithe. And that was a sign of trust in God because the people, if they didn't harvest the outer 10th of their field, that was giving up profit. And God commanded them to do that out of obedience and trust that he could provide with the 90%. So the fact that Boaz is letting 
Ruth and others glean from his own harvest. He's not making money shows that he runs his land and his business according to godly principles because most people wouldn't be willing to do that. But he's showing strength of character here. He's showing how obedient he is to the Lord, especially in the area of his finances. And also then how he hears she's the Moabite, and to most people, that means forbidden outsider, stay away. And he says, you come here every day and I will make sure you have work and I'll make sure you have food and water and we're going to take care of your needs and I'm going to make sure nobody bugs you. And it's an amazing show of just, he's such a picture here of the Lord and how the Lord meets us in in the hardest places and provides. So now we're going to get to this paragraph that is the whole reason I call this series and this Bible study under his wings and Boaz gets to be the one who names it. I'm going to start in verse 11 and it's right after Ruth fell at her feet and says, what have I done to deserve this kindness? And Boaz says, yes, I know, but I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard about how you left your father and your mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you for what you've done. And Boaz calls out her behavior, and it's beautiful. Under his wings literally translates into under the covering or under the protection of God. Boaz says, I see you, Ruth. You are not a typical Moabite woman. You're not a typical woman. I see how you have tucked yourself under the wings of God. I see your loyalty to your mother-in-law. I see your humility in coming to the fields. And it's beautiful. You are under the wings of God. And it's awesome. It's That's why we call this study under his wings. That's why I named it that. Because when we put ourselves under the protection and covering of God, when we will do it his way, He provides for us in ways we can't even ask or see or imagine. And that's what Boaz is saying to her here. And it's also especially beautiful because she's a Moabite and she'd be considered unworthy. And the one who is worthy, Boaz, is calling her worthy and saying, you are worthy of receiving protection and food and water and all of your necessities. Verse 13 I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You've comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I'm not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here, help yourself to food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her roasted grain to eat and she ate all she wanted and she still had left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave her the roasted grain left over from the meal. Where'd you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in the field who she'd worked for. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. And then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. 
Good, Naomi explained. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked along the women in Boaz's fields, and she gathered grain with them till the end of the barley harvest. She continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. See, her next right step was just every day for months to get up and go to work. But I want you to see what God can do in one day. See, they went from hopeless, barren, widows with nothing to having steady work, food, leftovers, security, protection from harassment all in one day. There is nothing the Lord can't redeem in one day. They had no idea. They had forgotten. Naomi had forgotten about this family redeemer. And in one day, God changed everything. And now Naomi's back to life. See, Ruth in her under the wings posture, with her loyalty, with her humility, taking that next right step has carried Naomi out of the pit. And now there's hope. Now they're both on fire. Now they know God is working out a redemption story and it is about to get good. So I just want to encourage you today, friends, as you think about your situation, as you think about your heart before the Lord, in what areas can you humble yourself before God? Where might pride be standing in the way of you taking the next right step that God has for you? Are you willing to do hard work? Are you willing to do the work like Ruth did and get up every day and do something that's really hard and not very fun so that God in his goodness can show up and provide all the resources that you need? But it starts with tucking your mind under the wings of God, staying under his covering and under his protection. See, that was the key. When they were in Moab, they were out from under the covering of God. It was very significant. It symbolized disobedience. It symbolized kind of rebellion. But when we are willing to do things God's way, when we are willing to submit ourselves to him and to the precepts in his word, then we put ourselves under his protection, under his wings. And when we're there, he can provide and he can keep us safe and he can lead us forward. The safety is in doing it his way. And so often we think we know better or our way is going to be easier or better. But under the covering, under the wings is always the best place to be. And once we're there, then in our heart, we we make sure that we're loyal. Are we being loyal to God? Is our loyalty to him? Are we actually self-serving or are we loyal to something else? Are we loyal to the people in our story? Are we making sure that we're putting others' needs before our own? And are we being humble? Friends, there's nothing God can't do in your life if you will position yourself like Ruth did. He is the great redeemer. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, some of us today that are listening needed to hear this message of hope that in one day you can turn everything around. And Lord, we ask you to come with all the fullness of the power that raised Jesus from the dead and increase our faith today. Increase our faith in the Redeemer. Lord, give us all that we need, all the loyalty, all the humility, all the courage to take the next right step and follow you. Thank you for the protection that comes from being under your wings. Make us more like Ruth today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, join us next time as we dive into the third heart posture characteristic of Ruth, and that is to be courageous. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Mint Podcast. More resources are available at amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together.